Hello and welcome to the first episode of the London Bitcoin Meetup podcast, where we take a look at some of the content from Craig Wright and other thought leaders in the space. Have a read through the article so they're in audio format for everyone to enjoy on the tube, etc. And maybe do a little bit of analysis. We'll, I'm not sure. We'll, we'll see where this goes. So it's April 12th, 2019, and we're going to start by reading through the Genesis of Genesis article on Medium by Craig Wright. Some time ago, in a blog post far, far away, I wrote about Genesis block and the start of Bitcoin. There's an image of a phoenix in flames. Many have argued that the initial block in Bitcoin is a flaw. It is nothing of the sort. The so-called lost Bitcoin from the Genesis block do not exist as a spendable Bitcoin. It is an anchor. The problem people have when they look through glasses tainted with greed, is that they don't see the simple facts, but rather paint the scenario with one of their desire. The first thing to remember is that there were no Bitcoin sales in January 2009. Bitcoin was a system that cost money to run and create, and yet had no value. When asked about the lost value of the Genesis block, the calculation is simple, 50 Bitcoin times zero. Remember, anything times zero is just zero. There is nothing lost. More importantly, the keys vary between the Genesis block that is public and the early code that was distributed. In September 2008, I spent many copies of the early code. Correction, I sent many copies of the earlier code. There's an image it, uh, detailing the, the TX new V out script pubkey equals C script opcode separator etc. In this version of the code, it was not called a block chain, such was a later change. The time chain is a tree-shaped structure starting with the genesis block at the root, with each block potentially having multiple candidates to be the next block. pprev and pnext link a path through the main or longest chain. The block index may have multiple pprev pointing back to it, but pnext will only point forward to the longest branch, or will be null if the block is not part of the longest chain. He continues, Orphans and forks are part of how Bitcoin works. Such was the design. Always. They don't impact transactions, but rather are part of how mining works. The Genesis block did not only have a different hash, it had a completely different address. There's evidence to this effect below in an image. This version was completed and posted to people. This version was completed and posted to people on Wednesday, September 10th, 2008. It was a busy, busy week. I took time off work. I had a few weeks vacation, and I was preparing for another certification. I sat the SANS GIAC GSE malware exam. They don't offer it anymore. It was considered too difficult. The, G the GSE exam is hands-on. You have multiple days of testing after you pass the theory test. I had been prepping for a theory test the month before. In the exam, the student needed a reverse engineer malware. The student needed to reverse engineer malware. This point was probably my peak, technically. I was still teaching and coding C, C++, C Sharp on a very regular basis. Not that I ever went to 
to develop sound production code very well. I sat this SANS GIAC Security Expert Malware GCSE Malware Certification. The year before I had sat the GSE Compliance Stream. The GSM is no longer offered as only four of us managed to ever achieve it. Jesus Christ. Even now, very few people sit the GSE. GSE. I'm proud to have been one. Having been the only individual who sat all three, I can tell you that the malware exam was the hardest by a long way. The GREM exam certification still remains, which is the reverse engineering malware training and certification. Interestingly enough, the reason I sent the code out at the time was that I'd been procrastinating from studying more. For my malware exam, I'd spent every spare moment since September 2007 studying. I was simultaneously enrolled in a master's degree in statistics at the University of Newcastle and finalizing my master in law degree from Northumbria, Newcastle in UK. It was a busy time. I would spend mornings on Bitcoin. I got up at ridiculous times and started by coding and checking my material before having breakfast. I had memorized practically everything over the year that would be included in, my, in the GSE malware exam. I had practiced with IDA and Ollie until I knew every shortcut by heart. Now, I've left it far too long, and I don't play with disassembling code other than the occasional way to remember the past. So I can flood my way around hex rays, but if you asked me to engage in reversing Objective-C binaries using REObjC module, I would need to do some serious studying to remember how to do it. On September 10th, the most memorable thing for me was that the Large Hadron Collider at CERN was powered up in Geneva, Switzerland. I guess for other people, it's going to be different. I was living and breathing low-level networks and low-level code at the time. On top of them, internet law and a few other areas. I am doing two doctorates simultaneously right now, but I am not going, but I am not doing a fraction of the study hours I was doing then. I was living on four hours sleep over two years. I was used to being up at 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. seven days a week. Then, after I stopped with the work at BDO, it became even more ridiculous. But that's another story. I had my presentation ready for IT security world around that same time. I was discussing document storage and worm storage, something required by Sabin's Oxley. Sarbanes Oxley. Worm means write once, read many. I still fail to see how people do not understand the blockchain that is Bitcoin creates immutably singular storage that allows organizations to securely manage documents. I presented on the legal aspect of compliance and security when I visited the US to present at IT Security World. There's an image here that says destroying documents bad for business or illegal. Two significant provisions of the Sarbanes-Oxley are defined in SS802 and 1102 and codified respectively at 18 U.S.C. 1519 and 18 U.S.C. 1512, bracket C. This is IT Security World Conference and Expo 2008 in the details. So many people believe that you couldn't have privacy and retain information. I'm still having a hard time getting people to understand that you can. 
I had a publication the same year concerning document destruction practices in organizations. I did a lot of publishing in the Institute of Internal Auditors and risk management journals. The header of one paragraph was, destroying documents, bad for business or legal. I argued that organizations shouldn't need to destroy documents, ideally. Management could be done cryptographically, and key control could be much simpler. There's a big, long article here, detailed in an image. Craig S. Wright, MSA, CCE, GCA. He looks funny, he's got glasses on. My blog posting at the time was slowed considerably during the same weeks. But with staff at BDO, we created a number of forensic tools. One of them had to do with analyzing the mining of data. I never managed to gain much traction in talking about mathematics with IT people. But the software we created enabled prosecution of child grooming offender in South Australia. By reviewing chat logs in social media, we were able to use the links between individuals to de-anonymize accounts. There's an image of a, a graph with many connections. I knew perfectly well about interconnectivity of network systems at the time. I had testified on a number of criminal cases using such techniques to de-anonymize de social media accounts. One people in the crypto community won't. One thing people in the crypto community won't like is that the, that of catching copyright infringers. There was never any one individual. It is never some poor person at home, but rather organized crime rings. Some cases involved specialized hardware, such as for a raid I did later on with an ex-NSW police sergeant. I did a lot of work with friends, Clarence, Bill Bush, which involved systems that broke satellite transmissions, systems that allowed karaoke bars to act without paying for their licensing, and where people could sell rights using peer-to-peer -peer networks. There was never once a case where anyone ever mentioned raiding some poor home user. Rather, some of the copyright offenders created global networks and sold pirated software in tens of hundreds of thousands of users. Almost all included a backdoor designed to capture financial transactions and deprivatize people's personal accounts. My knowledge of peer-to-peer -peer networks was gained through analyzing networks in regard to conducting piracy investigations in the music industry. There's a clipping here. As a result of this conversation at approximately 11 a.m., I attended at the Laverton Markets in Leaks Road, North Laverton North. I then conducted search of open-air section of the markets. At approximately 11.20, I observed a trestle table set up in front of the same white van, registration WWW, which again had numerous English music CDs on display for sale. I also observed the same Asian male in his 50s who had previously identified himself as Andrew to be operating a stall selling these music CDs to various customers. I approached the stall and had a short conversation. Andrew, I said, you haven't got as many discs as usual. He replied with the words to the effect, very busy today, sell out, back next week, lots more. I said words to the effect, you much for the, these, thank you very much for the sets. He replied in the words to the effect, 15, oh, how much for the effects? $15 each if I give you two for $22. I subsequently purchased the following CDs from the trestle table area. ACDC, Greatest Hits, Metallica, Greatest Hits. I paid a total of $22 cash for these items and left the market area a short time later. I maintained the compact discs and I had purchased in my possession. <coughs> That's the end of the clipping. There is a long-standing legal principle. A piratus 
et latrinobis capta dominium non mutant, which translates to mean things taken or captured by pirates and robbers do not change their ownership. Hence, you can accept that simply because some other infringer has placed infringing television broadcasts in a public place, for example on the web, it doesn't mean anyone who aggregates such infringing content is no longer a copyright infringer. A criminal cannot avoid culpability by producing a disclaimer, guarantee, or warranty. Otherwise, all economic criminals would include a disclaimer in their handiwork. Ah, remembering all this. I got back around October 5. I gave myself an afternoon off, and then I started studying for the GSSP exams. There were two, secure coding using Java and C. I still had a lot of work to do on C Sharp at the time. But I started another master's degree to help. I had to give it up before I graduated. I ended up completing all but one subject. I was enrolled at the time, around 2012-13, in both my PhD in computer science and the master's degree at Charles Stewart University. It would have been my fourth master's degree from then, but I had people complain. The university had given me two separate student IDs, and I was completing both degrees simultaneously. Doing so is technically against the rules, and unfortunately, I needed to choose one over the other. Such is life. Ironically, I still sat ITE 505, Enterprise Application Development. As such, I think I learned everything I needed to. Getting back to the development of Bitcoin, part of it involved economically incentivizing DATs. DATs are digital auditing techniques. If you were wondering why the Wayback Machine only has material of mine saved, saved dating to 2015, what you're missing is that I used both robots.txt and metadata tags in my pages. It isn't that the pages didn't exist. It was that I was trying to remove them in 2015. You'll notice in the post I made before launching Bitcoin, I wrote, from my observations, the accounting and the accounting and audit would seem to be increasing in it. Well, let's start that one again. From my observations, the accounting and audit would seem to be increasing its productivity at a rate of between one and three percent per annum. At this rate, not only can organizations who are not growing fail to maintain equilibrium, this is the current attained through exceeding with the big four. In the long run. But with a decade, small to medium firms will likely lose up to 50% of their business to them. One of the biggest reasons for development of blockchain, Bitcoin, is that I saw the changes in order technology that is that I saw the changes in order technology that were about to come into develop in the development of productivity tools. <clears throat> One of the biggest reasons for the development of blockchain, Bitcoin is that I saw the changes in order technology that were about to come into development of productivity tools. It wasn't just money. It's a form of money that radically alters the way we do business. There is a reason why WP0001 general ledger accounting on the blockchain and the first filed patent application I had with Enchain is about accounting. I wrote that at the time that DATs have also shown an accuracy of over 96% on analysis of non-fraud financial statements. I wrote at the time that DATs 
have also shown an accuracy of over 96% on analysis of non-fraud financial statements. It is important to be effective. The system needs to link into a single immutable data store, such as Bitcoin, or such was Bitcoin. I know that it seems boring to most people, but I find the creation of something that will reduce fraud to be massively exciting and groundbreaking. As I said back then, to make such types of productivity gains, we don't need to work harder. We need to follow the often used idiom that we need to work smarter. We need to look at working with each other and think about how we can better implement technology. So the fun thing for you to know is that you can find links to the blog pages dating back to 2007. Yes, the archives are not so old. Those who have a little bit of skill in digital forensics and web analysis will realize that the absence of evidence in the Wayback Machine is proof of very little at all. Having said so, back then, I was considering how we would gain access to data. The funny thing is, I had people such as those at SAS who read my blog. One thing you will notice is that I cannot update timestamps from comments. So the pages existed. All it does is show that all it does is show your own ignorance and how little you know about the Wayback Machine actually works. On keys. To recover the public key from EDCS, ECDSA signature, RS, we require knowledge of the curve and that the message was signed, or at least the hash of the message. With both, we can then calculate the public keys. One of them will correspond to the private key used. I always find it strange to see how people react as if 50 bitcoins in the Genesis block mattered. There's an equation, r to the power of negative 1, s, public key r minus z, g, and r to the power of negative 1, s, public key prime minus z, g. I don't know if that's going to be useful to anyone, but it's it's talking about the signatures, the private keys to uh, R and Z, and the public key R, and the ECCDSA uh, starting point G. Unknown private key. A valid ECDSA signature can be generated without knowing it, the private key and yet not violate the GMR definition of signature security as follows. This can be done for any elliptic curve domain parameters and any message M by first generating a random value of the signature, R, S, and then solving for public key as Y equals R to the power of negative 1, S, R, hash of M, G, where R uh, group after the negative 1, R, small r, the set of points in the pre-image of R. If f to the negative 1 R equals empty set, then just try another value for R. That's not going to be useful as a podcast. You should probably cut that part out. At the time, they had zero value. The Genesis block was designed never to be spent. There are many ways to do so. ECDSA allows for an unknown private key and the creation of a signature that can even link to an invalid public key. There's even a way to create a self-signed Bitcoin transaction. Here you compute the value of a private key after creating the signature, 
which can be done as you know the value of k, the ephemeral key. In September, the version of the code that I had finished and sent out was a lot simpler. It contained the following line, tx new dot vout zero dot n value equals 10,000. If it had been left, the amount of Bitcoin would have been completely different. Coin is used as a multiplier and comes to 10 million. So the initial reward would have only been a small fraction of a Bitcoin and not 50 Bitcoin for the initial block. At least the initial Genesis block wouldn't have started that way. Would have started that way. The idea with the block subsidy was that the early adopters would get a lot more so that they could reinvest in the network and make their investments valuable. I greatly underestimated human greed and the propensity to scam people. tx new dot v out zero dot n value equals 50 times coin. What we ended up with is what you see now listed above. Such techniques are not going to go away. Change is pervasive. Either we embrace it in an entrepreneurial manner, or it will steamroll us. I have stopped reflecting on nearly I have stopped reflecting on the nearly two decades. The process has been interesting to say the least. Thinking about it, all that occurred and all that I went through, I wonder how I managed to do it. I certainly couldn't do what I did then, now. I'm still very productive. I write more than one paper a day on average, sometimes closer to two. But I certainly cannot study at the rate I used to. With age comes change. The consolidation of knowledge that I've learned brings a different result. And through it, I am not the same man that I was then. Would I go back and do it again? Yes, if I could. And I would do it just the same way. There are things I did not there are things that I did not like at the time, but I like the place I've come to, the person I've become, and everything about it. The Phoenix must burn to rise. So that's the end of the article. Um that was actually surprisingly difficult to, to read through, um, but I, I hope it was of some value. There are some bits of code and some snippets that are going to be much better consumed if you read through the article. But for those of you like me previously that really found it difficult to find the time to actually stare at a screen for even longer, I hope that this uh, can bring you some value uh, via uh, you know, the, the auditory version of that article. Uh, questions, comments, and uh, feedback are very much invited. And um, this concludes the first episode of the London Bitcoin Meetup podcast. Take care, everyone. <laughs>